T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. As we uh, get ready for a Tuesday edition of the show, we are down one teammate here. Sue is off for a couple of days. I even asked Fred this question this morning. I'm like, wait, is she back tomorrow? Is she back on uh, uh, Thursday? Thursday? I think it's Thursday, right? Yep, Thursday. Uh, fill some time, Fred. Like five seconds says, I picked something up from the floor. That I dropped. Yeah, so I was, I was really disappointed. She's not coming back till Thursday. It's a long drive back from Pittsburgh. Uh, yes, but that's that's okay. It's just you know how I feel about the the show. When the show is just sort of off by a member, you want every member off. at the table. <laughs> I know we don't have that all the time because we got a holiday coming up. I think you're taking a day off next week. But there's a lot going on in the world, as you know, and we got a bunch lined up for this afternoon, including Congressman Jason Smith, and they're going to start voting on this uh, continuing resolution with bipartisan support. I'll explain all that. We'll get to it here in just a couple of minutes. I heard a weird story, Fred. I think I sent this to you yesterday. I was reading a column. And I thought this was kind of bizarre. We'll talk with Congressman Smith about a variety of things, but he'll um, he'll likely uh, address the farm bill. And David Altoff is coming up. He is the director of commodities for the Missouri Farm Bureau. I, I read this story about how the U.S., this country, our country, is importing record amounts of beef this year and exporting less than ever. And I wanted to yeah, that's uh, look crazy. Into that. isn't it? It, it just seems. Very opposite, right? So we want to find out why. Yeah, so we'll get to that. Um, Fred will have Fred's news. He could not be more excited about filling in for <laughs> Sue during Sue's so news. So much to say. Right, exactly. We'll get to that. we got Kilmeade coming up this afternoon. By the way, let me just point this out. And I'll give you a little, um, let, let me just offer a little insight just because I think this is interesting. You know, when when you put events together, you just, you don't know how you, the audience, is going to respond. And we, we think about these things quite thoroughly from the standpoint of uh, does the date work? Is it in So Brian's coming down on December 1st. Well, that's the week after Thanksgiving, but it doesn't push up. And, you know, you get into the middle of December, people have Christmas parties they're busy with. So then you um, you pick a location. We, we picked Eureka Brookdale Farms, which is, by the way, an awesome location. But in the minds of the, um, you know, Trisha really goes through all this. She's the one who puts it together. It's like, wait a second, is that convenient? Will people drive there? And then you got the price point, right? We come right. up with a comfortable price point, and you don't know what's going to happen. Well, this thing's almost sold out. I mean, it's there are more than 200 tickets that are sold. 
I think we have room for 250. The point is, it is selling excellent. We're going to have a blast that night. And if you want tickets, I wouldn't put it off too much longer because they are going to go. And if you'd like to go to, um, we may, I think we can maybe get it to 300 eventually. But there's more than, well, now there's more than 225. That's if you and I so stand somewhere. That's exactly right, Fred. <laughs> so if you go to 971talk.com slash events, you can buy some tickets. You'll get a hard copy of the book, premium dinner, premium open bar, uh, a picture with Fred Bottomer, <laughs> and you get a copy of Brian's book, Teddy and Booker T, How Two American Icons Blazed a Path for Race. Equality. By the way, I'm in kind of trouble that night that I haven't told my friend this, but you know my friend Mike Fitzgerald. Fitz, yeah. He turned 70 years old, and he is having a birthday party that night, and I cannot make it because of Kilmead. So I'm Swing by like, after. Yeah, but Brian, like, he, he's going to sign copy. The bloody right. end, I, I cut does. out last year. You guys gave me trouble because yep. I cut out. All right, well, let's get to some business here. What else we have coming up here this afternoon? Fred, did I skip anything? Oh, John Ziegler from California. And uh, Charles Lipson will be here. On the the California thing, let me just, I'll go to this briefly just because I find this interesting. The, if you've ever been, Fred, have you been to L.A.? Yeah. uh Okay. It's nuts to drive. I remember when I first started going to L.A. in the early 1990s. I don't think I even got there till you know, 92 or 93. And it was two in the morning and I'm coming back from a concert um, at the Hollywood Bowl I think it was Living Color, and we're we're in traffic that was just at nuts. two in the at morning. Two in the morning, right? And I had grown up in Chicago, and I'd driven in Chicago quite a bit at that point in my you know young adult life, and I knew traffic pretty well. But that was a different category of traffic. So, and it's like that in L.A. I mean, you really getting around in L.A. Even if you go short distances um, from the airport, for example. To, I mean, I'm just going to say this just as because I stayed there, Beverly Hills, and the only reason I stayed there all the time is because I wasn't paying for it. Or movie, it was a junket. Movie studios were paying for it. But that's not that big of a distance, but it'll take you you know, an hour sometimes, depending on traffic or, or more. So the 10 freeway, which is a major interchange, and Zig can kind of explain this better when he's on, it's going to be shut down for a pretty good amount of time because of this fire that happened over the weekend. Listen to Gavin Newsom here. Uh, and by the way, so the fire, they're not saying a whole lot about the fire. It was a bunch of pallets that were being stored, but there were also homeless encampments underneath the freeway. They also say it was arson that started the fire. So California letting the homeless people just sit underneath the highways instead of just people on motorcycles who pull over because it's raining. You have entire villages underneath the highways. And this is what they asked for in California. This is what they voted for, by the way. It's also why people are moving out in droves to Texas and Florida, et cetera. Estimate currently is three to five weeks. We're going to do everything in our power to move that uh, into more media. You know, we, we need to get, sorry, I stepped on Gavin there. We should get Brian Ping on the air on this okay. too, who's our friend. He's a St. Louis native. He's at KNX in Los Angeles. Three to five weeks. The only comparison, that's like having 270 shut down. In, in both directions at a certain location, right? Or for one, you pick your major highway here in St. Louis and then multiply it by five with the number of people that travel on it every day because of the millions of people they have out in L.A. That is stunning. It, it really is. By the way, are they still, Fred, do you know, is Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis still having a debate with Hannity? Last I heard it was still on. Because let me say this, uh, Ron DeSantis opened up the causeway to Sanibel, I think, like within <laughs> three or four days, and Gavin Newsom's going to take weeks to open up this highway. I can't imagine that that's not going to come up. All right, let's get down to some business here and what's going on in Washington right now. First of all, there was an amazing rally today, uh, and I think it's still going on, 
on the uh, Capitol Mall for Israel. I was somewhat concerned that there would be some clashes with pro-Palestinian demonstrators. I thought maybe they would try to mix it up. It doesn't look like that's happened. This is the Israeli Israeli president, Isaac Herzog. In the state of Israel's darkest moment, you stood up and declared, Hineni, I am here. We are here. There's no greater and more just cause than this. Today, we come together as a family, one big mishpacha, to march for Israel. Now, he was not there. He was at the Great Wall doing this via satellite. We come together to march for good over evil, for human morality over bloodthirst. We march for light over darkness. So big, big turnout. And one thing that was, I would say, relatively encouraging is that there was quite a bit of bipartisan support. You saw Hakeem Jeffries with the new speaker. Chuck Schumer was up there, and this was a moment for unification, and that's what we got. And I think we'll uh, we'll have Jason Smith speak to that issue here in just a couple of minutes. Now, here's an interesting story. They're voting on, they're just about to get started voting on this bill to avert the government shutdown. What is likely to happen is it's going to pass, but it's only going to pass with Democrat support because the Freedom Caucus members are saying, nope, we're not going to go for this. I mean, Mike Johnson, the new speaker, has limited routes available to him. So what? let me let me start with that before I get to the, uh, the fisticuffs that apparently nearly happened on Capitol Hill. So he'll explain what he's doing here with what they refer to as a ladder CR. This is an important innovation, okay? And as was explained earlier, as long as I've been in Congress for seven years, we have governed by omnibus bills right before Christmas. It is a terrible way to run a railroad. And the reason that we're in such trouble uh, with our with our federal debt is because Congress is addicted, obsessed with this deficit spending. What happens, as you know, is it's, there's a CR that goes right up to Christmas break, and then they jam upon us, as was been said, thousands of pages in legislation that no one really has a chance to adequately read through and exactly. digest or amend or anything else. Last year, it was $1.7 trillion, you know, with a few hours' notice, and they added 100 or $200 billion extra sprinkled on top of spending that no one had ever actually vetted or gone through. We cannot do that anymore. We have a $33.6 trillion federal debt. Moody's downgraded our, our credit rating uh, just this week. Two weeks ago, the Treasury Department announced we have to borrow borrow $1.5 trillion over the next two quarters to keep the government uh, going. Yeah, b- we cannot line, do that anymore. Right, you can't do that anymore. They're, they're, you ha- they have to pass something here, but then the question becomes, look, are you are you the new Speaker Mike Johnson? Are you surrendering to the Democrats here? Yeah, we're not surrendering. We're fighting. But you have to be wise about choosing the fights. you gotta you got to fight the fights that you can win, and we're going to. And you're going to see this House majority stand together on our principle, and, and we're going to do that. But the, the shutdown would occur on November 17th. Look, it took decades to get into this mess, right? I've been at the job less than three weeks, right? I can't change, I can't turn an aircraft carrier overnight, but this was a very important first step to get us to the next stage so that we can change how Washington works. There's really no difference with Mike Johnson than with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy was doing the same thing. He didn't have the support of the Freedom Caucus. Mike Johnson doesn't have that support. The Democrats have come over and said, look, we, we cannot shut the government down. That is a bad idea right now. It's a bad idea typically, but it really is a bad idea right now. And politically, if you want to look at the implications, the Republicans would be the ones that would suffer because you know what the legacy media would report here. They wouldn't do any kind of fair, accurate coverage. So this is going to get done. They're going to push it to January and then February. And we'll have uh, Congressman Smith explain all of the nuances of that here coming up. This is kind of a side story today on Capitol Hill, but I like side stories and I like things that are (laughs) 
kind of interesting like this. So this is uh, Congressman Burchett from Tennessee, and he's doing, I think this is Ronnie Maju on CNN, and he makes this um, allegation that Kevin McCarthy walked by him and basically, uh, he didn't sucker punch him, but he gave him a punch to the kidney or something like that? Well, I was doing an interview um, with um, Claudia from NPR, uh, a lovely lady, and she was asking me a question, and and at that time, I uh, got elbowed in the back, and it kind of caught me off guard because it was a clean shot to the kidneys. And I turned back, and there was there was Kevin, and um, and I, I for a minute I was kind of what the heck just happened? And then I, um, you know, I, I chased after him. Of course, he's a as I've stated many times, he's a he's a bully with 17 million dollars in a security detail. You know, he's the type of guy that. When you're a kid, would throw a rock over the fence and run home and hide behind his mama's skirt, and he just, you know, he, he, uh, from behind that kind of stuff. It, you know, that's not the way we handle things in East Tennessee. We, we if we have a problem with somebody, I'm gonna look them in the eye. Well, okay, so th- that's his side. So I don't exactly know what happened, but what I do know is that NPR reporter that he referred to, Claudia Gonzalez, um, said this in her. Uh, I'm going to see if I can pull it up here on Twitter because I'm having some issues with that. Uh, she said, "You got to be kidding me!" So what happens is, just to walk you through things that you don't really care about, ladies and gentlemen, is I I saved this, but I saved it on a. Uh, on a tab that is not X itself. So when that happens, it won't let me actually see the tweet. So let me do a little uh, little search here. Bear with me. I have Claudia Grizel. because I want to tell you what, what she says happened here. She says, here's her string. Have never, never is in caps, have never seen this on Capitol Hill. While talking to Representative Tim Burchett after the GOP conference meeting, former Speaker McCarthy walked by with his detail and McCarthy shoved Burchett. Burchett lunged toward me. I thought it was a joke. It was not. And the chase ensued. Burchett's back was to McCarthy, his detail walking by, then the lunge. Burchett responded jokingly as McCarthy kept walking. Sorry, Kevin, didn't mean to elbow, then seriously yelled, Why'd you elbow me in the back, Kevin? Hey, Kevin, you got any guts? Burchett then looked back at me and said, jerk, referring to McCarthy. I asked if he had done that before. Burchett said, no. That's when the chase ensued. Burchett took off. This is just like high school, it really is. I mean, I said that about the whole race for the speaker. These guys, these are members of Congress, and you would think that things would be more mature. You would be wrong, ladies and gentlemen. The chase ensued. Burchett took off after McCarthy in his detail. I chased behind with my mic. Burchett yelled after catching up to McCarthy, hey, Kevin, why'd you walk behind me and elbow me in the back? Uh, KM said, I didn't elbow you in the back. Burchett, you got no guts. You did so. The reporter said it right there. What kind of chicken move is that? You got no guts. You did it. So this is what he told uh, CNN about what happened next. Basically the same thing. So you chased him? What do you mean you chased him? I just ran after him. I was like, what the heck? You know, why'd you do that? You know, because it was a... like I said, it, if you've ever been hit in the kidneys, it's a little little different. You don't have to hit very hard to cause a little bit of pain, a lot of pain. And and so I, and he just, of course, um, as he always did, does, he just uh, denies it or uh, blames somebody else. Well, so this is what's interesting to me. And, I, you know, I'm always open to two sides of the story. The problem is, is there's two people telling the same story, the reporter from NPR and Burchett. And then Ken McCarthy says this. Show me a reporter who saw that. Ask Claudia Bruce Westerman. Couple okay, well, ask Bruce Westerman. No, I did not go up. If I hit, if I would hit somebody, they would know I hit. He said he was in pain that you hit oh, him so hard. Come on now. That's what he said. Okay. 
Matt Gates is putting out. Congressman Gates singer wrote that you pushed him twice while he was in Congress in the chamber. When have I pushed him? Kinsinger said he was in the back railing once and you elbowed him and pushed you him. You said Gates. Kinsinger. No, no I, don't know, I don't know about Kinsinger. Congressman Gates, though, is filing or uh, committing, submitting a complaint to the Ethics Committee oh, over this, this issue. Do you have any response to Congressman Gates? No, I, I think ethics is a good place for Gates to be. All right, there you go, Ken McCarthy. The uh, the gamesmanship continues, so I don't know exactly what happened. I just think it's kind of fun. We also had this um, real interesting moment. I think Annie talked about it in the uh, in the last hour. I'll just play this real quick. You had a Senate Health Education and Labor Committee hearing. Man, tempers are flaring. Let me tell you, tempers are flaring right now. And at this particular hearing, these guys get into it. This is the um, the for- well, I think it's the current. Teamsters chair. Yeah, this is um, Mark Wayne Mullen is an Oklahoma Republican. He's also a former MMA fighter, and he challenged Teamsters president Sean O'Brien over a bunch of um, social media posts. Here's what it sounded like a short time ago. So we can finish it here. Okay, that's fine. Perfect. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. I want to expose this thug to who he is. And you don't point to me. That's disrespectful. I don't care about respecting you at all. I, respect I don't respect you, I respect you at all. Here's where I am on all this, ladies and gentlemen, just based on the shenanigans that occur on a regular basis on Capitol Hill. Here we are again with voting for a continuing resolution and spending outrageous amounts of money. Let's settle more of our fights this way, fisticuffs. Let's throw down a little bit more often. Let's see what happens. Let's have Trump and DeSantis. I don't know if this would work real well with Nikki Haley. Get into a cage match fight. And then determine all our nominees that way, because apparently that's where we are with maturity level in this country right now. Congressman Smith, coming up next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
We've gotten together. I believe there's going to be bipartisan agreement on that to break it up and put it into January, January 19th for the first tranche of the bills and fe uh, February 2nd for the rest. And that will allow us to go through the deliberative process in good faith. I'm going to take everybody at their word that we're doing this in good faith to do the appropriations process as it should be done. So that's Mike Johnson, the new speaker, trying to shepherd this continuing resolution through the House. They're voting on it this afternoon. We have Congressman Jason Smith of Missouri, who, of course, is the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee with us this afternoon. As they're voting on this, Jason, how are you this afternoon? Good, Mark. It's great to be with you. So th this is likely going to pass. Explain the, the you heard the speaker obviously talk about this ladder CR. So this is different than what would be referred to as a clean CR. Explain the nuances there. Well, it, it is a, a clean CR, which is an extension of current funding levels. But what is laddered about it is, is there's four different appropriations bills, Milcom VA, T-HUD, Ag, and um, Energy and Water. And those will be extended until January 19th. The other eight appropriations bills will be extended until February 2nd. And this is all... Um, if you understand, when we passed the last funding extension, the, just a few days later, the Speaker of the House was removed, and we were without a speaker for 22 days. And so in three weeks of legislative time, we were able to pass three additional appropriations bills. We've passed now seven of the 12 out of the House, which is more than 75 percent of, of the dis discretionary spending. The Senate has only done 17 percent. And the reason why we're moving it out a couple more months, according to Speaker Johnson, is to give us the time to finish these five last re remaining um, appropriations bills and then go to conference with the Senate. What we don't want is a huge, huge spending bill that comes right before Christmas with thousands of pages that no one has ever read. But now you still have the, the same crew that wanted McCarthy out that couldn't settle on another speaker where we had all these rounds again saying they're not going to support anything right now. So how does that work itself out? Or do you have to depend on Democrats to get this across the finish line? It will definitely have to be bipartisan. Democrats and Republicans will have to support it. That vote is, I mean, it's happening. Just we're getting to it. And so, um I, I think I think it will pass with with overwhelming bipartisan support because no one wants a government shutdown, especially in this time, seeing our men and women in uniform yeah. not receiving their paycheck. That's just not a it's not that's not smart. But I mean, I guess looking maybe I wasn't clear on my question. Uh, looking down the line, when we get to January and February, that would have to be the same process. You, you would expect that there would be bipartisan requirements to get the vote across the the table, right? I would say because there's there's a handful of people that will never vote for a, a, a yes. I think we're aware, right? Or yeah. a PR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it definitely has to be bipartisan. Let's um let's get an update on some other things here. One of the things that you're doing tomorrow. Look, this this I don't know if you've been too busy to look out or to see any of the coverage of what's happened uh, with the Israel. Um, protests today, the, the support for Israel, uh, overwhelming. And by the way, a rare moment where we did see some bipartisanship there with Mike Johnson, the speaker, Hakeem Jeffries was up there, Chuck Schumer was up there, everyone kind of coming together on this. But you have an interesting hearing coming up in Ways and Means tomorrow on the rise of anti-Semitism and how that, you know, affects tax-exempt status, right? 
Absolutely. We're looking at it, and it's going to be very bipartisan tomorrow as well. It'll be bringing unity, and it's, it's addressing what's been going on on college campuses. And we're also going to look at tax-exempt American charities with ties to terrorists and terrorism. Um, some of our witnesses tomorrow, one will be a student, from a Jewish student from Cornell University, and she will – she will testify of what she's been experiencing as um, as a Jewish student there. And then we have another individual that will talk about how various 501Cs have been funneling resources to Hamas and other terrorist organizations. And those are all subsidized. Those 501Cs, are, are, they get special tax treatment in the tax code. The last thing we ever need to do is to use our tax code to help funnel money to terrorists. What, what's going on with the impeachment inquiry right now? What can you say about that? So we're, uh, it's definitely been overdrive. I can tell you that um, there's been a lot of subpoenas issued. Um, in fact, Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan subpoenaed Hunter Biden, James Biden, several other Biden family members. We need them to come in for, for to answer a lot of of questions that we have before them. But, you know, it's the same way with the IRS whistleblowers. Um, they have been continuing to give me additional information at the Ways and Means Committee, which we will be um, hoping to, to vote out to release publicly in time. Um, we're just following the facts, but there's a lot of facts to follow, especially when you see the fingerprints of this administration and the Biden family, um, how they have crisscrossed all over the, the world. Jason, does the reality of, of the calendar mean that a lot of this just won't get handled until the first of the year? I mean, obviously, Thanksgiving is like a week away, then you go into Christmas. So is it it's a little tight to, to really get a lot done before the end of the year? Or am I wrong about that? We still have roughly six weeks of planned session. Um, so a lot still can be done. Um, we've been, we've been in session for 10 straight weeks, um, which is probably the longest since I've, I've been here. Um, so I, I think that there's still an opportunity to get some stuff in. I'm working, um, with my counterparts over on the Senate side to try to, um, get some tax provisions, um, taken care of. Um, hopefully there hasn't been a tax provision package in over three years, and and I think we might be able to get to it. And you have FAA, you have the Farm Bill, you have um, FISA that has to be discussed. So there's still a lot of things to do, but I, I wouldn't be That's surprised good. if something comes quickly. Hey, on the Farm Bill, this is interesting. My next guest here is, you, you probably know, David Altoff, who's the Missouri Farm Bureau Director of Commodities. I saw a story that I was curious about that said that the U.S. is importing record amounts of beef this year and exporting less than ever before. He's going to explain that in a few minutes. That seems troubling on its surface. That is absolutely terrible, and I'd love to hear what he has to say about it. What I will say, Mark, is this past year, this past year is the first time in decades we have imported in more agriculture products than what the United States has exported in decades. That doesn't Just seem good. All ag products. Yeah, that, that, seems, that seems problematic overall to me. Congressman Jason Smith, all right, good luck with the hearing tomorrow and the vote this afternoon on the CR. Keep us posted. Jason, if we don't speak, we probably won't before Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Mark.
I think I called him David. It's uh, Davin Altoff, who is the Missouri Farm Bureau Director of Commodities, is going to join us here in just a couple of minutes. And I was just curious about why that is. And it may have something to do with, uh, with the weather. And we'll explain here in just a couple of minutes. At the top of the hour, we have Fred's News. Sue is off today. So Fred's going to handle Sue's news. He's very thrilled about that, but he does a great job. Also, I saw this yesterday, and I'm just going to tease it the way the Wall Street Journal did because it certainly hooked me in. I'll do this a little bit um, after uh, 4 o'clock, right before Sue's News. She charges $550 for 90 minutes and has a wait list of 7,600 people. And you'll be... I, I was surprised at who this is and what she's doing, and we'll get to that a little bit after the top of the hour. Kilmeade's going to be with us this afternoon, too, for his weekly visit. We are really—we're not quite sold out. There are still tickets available, but I will say this, that the Kilmeade Christmas event on Friday, December 1st, which is, believe it or not, just two weeks from this Friday, is uh, selling quickly. We have about 225 tickets sold at this point, and capacity might be 300, might be a little less than that. So um, at this point, I think it's safe to say that it's going to be a sellout. And we'd love to have you there. It's going to be a really nice night. You get a premium bar, premium dinner. You get a copy of his new book, um, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., Silo Point, Brookdale Farms in Eureka. Go to 97.1 FM Talk backslash events if you would like tickets. And Brian will be here right around 425 this afternoon. My friend John Ziegler, the host of the podcast, The Death of Journalism, former Mediate senior columnist, is going to join us at 507. And then Charles Lipson from the University of Chicago has written quite a bit on the FBI corruption investigation into Eric Adams and on these campus protests. He'll join us at 525 and I also have an audio cut of the day. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We'll have um, Sue's News and in for Sue Fred after the top of the hour. Uh, also, Brian Kilmeade, our weekly visit with him. And we're, as I mentioned, we're getting close to selling out that event on December 1st. Uh, I saw this story with um, in in hotair.com or on hotair.com, our friends over there, Jazz Shaw, Dave Strom. Dave Strom might be on the air tomorrow. There's uh, various correspondents at Hot Air, and I don't know all of them. Ed Morrissey writes over there. I saw Selena Zito have a post today. She was on with us yesterday, but there is a correspondent by the name of Beej Wellborn. I just like that name. I don't know her, but this is the story that she cited yesterday. The United States is importing record amounts of beef this year and exporting less after ranchers slashed the nation's cattle herd to its lowest level in decades, tightening margins for meat companies like Tyson Foods. I thought this was somewhat interesting. Congressman Smith was talking about the Farm Bill. We have um, David Altoff this afternoon. He is the Missouri Farm Bureau Director of Commodities and a beef producer in central Missouri. David, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, Mark. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Where are you in central Missouri? Where, where are you located? Uh, Jefferson City, Missouri. Oh, okay, awesome. Uh, just when I was just there in the area a little bit north of there, up in uh, Fayette and Harrisburg, trying to kill deer over the weekend and failing miserably, yeah. as I sometimes do. Uh, but <laughs> this story kind of caught me off guard because I'm thinking, wait, how is this possible? But then as you look into it a little further, is a lot of this because of the drought conditions? It is, Mark. And, you know, when we take a look back over the last 
really the last four or five years, um, specifically um, related to drought in the western parts of the United States. Uh, you know, the western parts of the United States has experienced um, significant drought impacts and has had a huge impact on the U.S. cattle industry. Unfortunately, we're seeing that drought um, move further east and impact areas of uh, Missouri and, and other areas of the of the Midwest, and so uh, you know, I would I would say that really Missouri, we've been impacted by drought the last two years, uh, and it has had an impact on uh, our uh, Missouri cattle producers here in, in the state, and so we're seeing this impact our U.S. cattle herd. Uh, we have seen a continual liquidation of beef cows really since about 2020. Um, on a domestic scale, uh, and you know we're, we're going from a, a high point uh, from uh, 2020 where we saw you know our, our U.S. cattle herd get up to about 31 and a half million cows. That is that's where it reached a, a peak in, in what we call our cattle cycle. Uh, the U.S. cattle industry typically cycles um, in terms of volume, and so the last downward cycle we saw was 2014, 2015, where we saw the U.S. cattle herd uh, bottom out, and that was related to drought as well. Uh, from about 2015, we grew the herd uh, up until about 2020, and I, again, it was about a 31.5 million head of beef cows we had uh, in 2020. We're down to about 29 million cows now uh, from a U.S. herd perspective, and so the drought has had a huge impact. Um, the U.S. cattle industry is we're starting to see that impact as it relates to the number of of cattle on feed, also. Uh, the uh, you know amount of um, beef output uh, that is available for uh, for food uh, is certainly being impacted by this this decline in liquidation. Yeah. So I'm I'm very I'm really good at answering or asking dumb questions. So I'm going to ask you to allow me to do that here for a second. So when you talk about liquidation, what, how is it directly affecting the cows? You have cows dying. Do you just not have no. enough for grazing? How does that exactly manifest itself? It, Sure, that's a great question. I apologize. Sometimes oh, okay. I speak in in agricultural terms. So when I refer to liquidation, it's it's um, cow calf producers that are selling selling cows, and they're doing that uh, because they don't have. I mean, obviously the forage situation in the drought, um, they don't have forage availability to continue to maintain the levels of, of beef cows that they that they would like to have, and so. Uh, most of the time, I, a producer has the, the option of either buying high-cost hay. Yeah. And when you're in a drought, um, you know, hay, uh, obviously hay values will go up in the region where the drought is having an impact. Um, or you have the option of selling cows. And um, oftentimes we see, you know, producers take the, the option of selling selling cows uh, because of the cost to, to, to buy hay to feed them. So, now, is, how much, though, this is the, the question about costs. You kind of led me into this, but how much does inflation play into this? I can't imagine that's not a factor, right? Well, it certainly is. And and that's, you know, we, we could have a conversation um, for an, an entire hour or longer uh, of the impacts of inflation on the U.S. agricultural sector, not just the beef industry, but, sure. but agriculture in general. When we take a look at um, you know, what uh, inflation has done over the last two to three years, um, you know, the cost of energy. Uh, and energy is uh, a big factor in terms of, you know, those costs trickling down to U.S. agricultural producers. Uh, but, you know, the cost of interest now, the cost uh, of money is having a huge impact on, on agriculture and, and certainly the uh, U.S. cattle producer. 
So would, would your anticipation, I mean, some of this is somewhat dependent on the weather, right? And if we have an end to a drought, it, sometimes you just have to be patient and see what the market holds? Well, you know, obviously with the decline in the, in the herd, um, it, it creates uh, obvious uh, economic market signals. Um, you know, we've seen strength in these cattle markets over the last year uh, to year and a half. Uh, the cattle markets have have uh, really come on strong, and that is truly reflective of cattle numbers and, and volume. Um, so that is an indicator for producers to want to retain heifers uh, to grow their herds. Uh, the challenge with that is, again, going back to, to drought. And if producers don't have the forage availability to, um, to retain heifers, to, to grow the herd, uh, they just won't. And, and I can tell you that uh, what we're seeing in terms of um, the data as far as it relates to herd retention, um, you know, heifer retention specifically, there, there is no sign right now as of today that, uh, that this herd is, is turning around and moving in the other direction in, in terms of growing. And so, you know, we're, we're continuing to see um, liquidation. We're continuing to see um, heifers go to feedlots for slaughter. And so as long as we continue to see that, uh, we won't see any signs of, of you know, producers building. Right. Uh, and for herd. those of us who are just trying to, you know, enjoy some steaks and things like that, there's some sticker shock because of all this, right? You know, we, we, are, we have seen an increase in, in choice box beef. Obviously, you know, when you see a, a decline in volume, uh, you know, really, the, the markets are a push-pull effect, right? I mean, when you have plenty of volume, you've got to push that that product out, uh, and usually that that creates a, a situation where you have lower prices. When you have, you know, um, lower volumes, you have more of a pull effect. And going back to your point earlier about uh, beef imports and, and beef exports, um, higher prices obviously create an environment where, you know, our friends to the south in Mexico or our friends to the north in Canada becomes a market opportunity for their producers uh, and, and even their box beef to move into the United States. What is your hope, David, for I, I just had Congressman Smith on, you know, they're talking about another farm bill in, in Washington. I don't know if there's anything that relates to this, but what, what are your hopes personally uh, at the Farm Bureau for, for a farm bill? So as it relates to farm bill, obviously, um, you know, our hope is that we get a farm bill. Oh, that's, right. Start you know, with what that. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, so the, the first thing, I guess, you know, first things first is, you know, obviously the, the farm bill expired um, back in September. Um, you know, what we're hearing now is they're, they're looking at uh, an extension to the current farm bill. And so that would be, in my mind, you know, the f- first thing first, let's get this extension and then start working on uh, trying to get a new farm bill done. And, uh, you know, as it relates to the farm bill, there are some mechanisms in place in the farm bill that, that you know, help producers, uh, you know, in general. But when we, you know, speaking specifically of livestock and cattle, you know, there are several programs that are available uh, in the farm bill that are very important to cattle producers and, and um, you know, market situations where you have a situation where maybe we see a decline in the market over the next few months. And uh, we have a program called Livestock Risk Protection that's in the farm bill. And so, yes, the farm bill is, is something that we're looking very hard at in terms of, you know, trying to get um, trying to get some 
movement and and get a new farm built. Man, it's just it's a tough it's a tough road for farmers, and it has been for decades and decades. It seems like when one thing gets figured out, then you got drought conditions, and there's always things around the corner. So, God bless you, Davin, for uh, for doing all this stuff. And I don't know, is it possible? I can't remember. Can we go into a store and see that the beef is actually made here? You know, the cows came from uh, this country, American beef. Is there a label like that? So, so there's 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 not now. There are voluntary opportunities for you know producers to um, you know produce beef that that can be labeled um, you. you know in, in a variety of. Well, I was methods. just I got to go to a break, but I was just kind of hoping we could we could help out farmers that way. But look, David, thank thank you so much. Keep us posted on everything. We're rooting for you. There's no doubt about that. I appreciate right. that, Mark. Really appreciate the opportunity to be on. Take care. Thank you. Get more at 971talk.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 